Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast. Being recorded in California this time to make it different. I'm out in L.A. for Critics' Choice and the big precursor weekend we just had, which we're going to talk about. Um, So now this is the first time, I think, in a while, maybe ever, where everyone's in a different state while doing it, this podcast. Because, Miles, where are you? I'm in New Mexico still. Yeah, he's also here on the podcast. I am here on the podcast. Hi, podcast. We're often in different states. I'm in New Jersey. Oh, yeah, you're right, right. I think of you. I think of us as like New York, New Jersey, like metropolitan area. People call us the fifth borough, sixth borough, yeah. not the fifth. <laughs> Which one are you getting rid of? Uh, we're getting rid of uh, Queens, of course. Uh, no, Staten Island. I would have gone. Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Staten Island. Um, it's like, yay! Yeah, oh, you bastard! They got us again. I think. No, I think they. I think honestly, they might want to be their own thing. I think they are their own thing. They're. Oh, very much so. Um, yeah, because when I was in Florida. Miles was in Florida. That's really the only other time I've traveled in the last handful of years. Um, but yeah, so we are all together virtually. I've been here since uh, almost, it's gonna be almost a week by the time you guys hear this. Had a couple events to go to. It was, it's it's nice to be in good weather, and it's always fun to do Critics' Choice. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, let's start with a question. Let's uh, ease in with uh, Ryan McDermott. He's got a Filmaholic face-off. This one is movies from Katie Mitchell's top 50 favorite movies on Letterboxd that can that I can be reasonably certain everyone has seen. So right on trying trying to avoid uh, the I didn't see it. Um, so this is going by the Katie Mitchell list. Uh, number 47, The Big Lebowski or number 44, A Serious Man. Oh, movies. Um, these are two of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. So this is a tricky one. Um, I think push come to shove, I would go Big Lebowski. Well, I don't know. I think Big Lebowski is more rewatchable, but I might. Serious Man might be a little bit better. Actually, no, I'm going Serious Man. Fuck it. All right. Wow. Um, well, a few years ago, I would have said Lebowski, but I don't know. I think I think Serious Man as well. It might be a sweep, interestingly, and I don't like really either of the films. Um, Lebowski, I just, I didn't get the first time I saw it. Like, I don't know that I knew it was a stoner movie, and it just hit me the wrong way. I'll, I'll revisit it one day. When a serious man, I, I've long joked, is the classiest Saw movie possible, because it's, it's <laughs> that mean to its protagonist, um, but has things I like. Like, it's impeccably made. It's just intentionally frustrating and there were times where the Coens doing that to the audience I don't dig on. So I'll go with that one. But these wouldn't be that high on my list. But it's not my list. It's Katie's. Next up, Good Time or Sorry to Bother You? That's number 34 versus number 30. Ooh. Um, hmm. I think Good Time is good. I mm. think... When I look at Safdie Brothers films, I think I like Uncut Gems more, yes. but I think I like the Robert Pattinson performance, and I think Fair. that's what sort of puts Good Time over the edge. But if we're talking movies, Sorry to Bother You just has so much going on, and is just so oh, yeah. there's just so much to dig into. So that's my choice. 
right, Steve. Hey, what are the options? Good time, Safety Brothers movie, Robert Pattinson, or Sorry to Bother You, Boots Riley, um, Lakeith yeah, Stanfield yeah. was the lead, gotcha. or Harmy Hammer. Yeah. You said Uncut Gems. You threw me off there for a second. Um, Miles went. Miles went off on a tangent. Uh. Yeah, I'm going good times as well. I think uh, I still need to see Sorry to Bother You uh, oh. again. No, no. <laughs> no, that's what? Okay. No, I okay. need to see it again. I I saw it and then I, it went totally crazy and I'm like, I still never really grasped it. It's one of those like, I saw it I, didn't, and I never spoke to any, any, anyone about it. So I kind of need to watch it and you know, really yeah. wrap my head around it. I love that movie. It was my number two, I think, of that year. So it's it's a hundred percent my pick. Good time is fine. In fact, it's good, like Miles said. But I think their their surrounding their sandwiching movies are better. Um, Heaven knows what, which is really underrated and no one saw, and obviously Uncut Gems. Though Pattinson is, I think Sandler is better than Pattinson, but they're Pattinson, but they're both very good. The um, the lead of Heaven knows what. I think it's Arielle Holmes is her name. is amazing also. And it's got, you know, like an even dirtier Caleb Landry Jones performance than usual. And like he always looks like he needs a shower. That's hard for but, me to imagine. I don't think he's ever given a clean performance. Yeah, yeah. He So imagine him, but imagine him now playing a heroin addict, but a violent homeless one. Okay, okay. The role he was born to play. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he... Uh, that movie is, is worth watching. Dark, like like all their shit. It's a role um, I was born to play. Exactly. Um, but sorry to bother you is kind of perfect in its messiness. Like I, I think it's I think I told the publicist when I saw it. I'm not sure what this drug is, but can I have more of it? Like it was just so wildly creative, and of course not everything like lands, but God, some of it is so hilarious, and and also equally frustrating. Like it, it had a lot of like Spike Lee in it to me. Even though Boots is kind of his own thing. It's like Spike, so Spike Lee meets Spike Jones. Kind of. There's a, there's a, and a little, like, little touch of Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Not, yeah. 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 Just like a little bit of, a little bit of Michelle Gondry too. It is not the movie yes. I expected to see when I saw it. So that's the thing. It's like, no, I didn't know. I didn't know much about it. And I was, I think it was a kind of night I was looking for something <laughs> a little, simpler and i was like what the yeah, hell yeah. is going on here because they, they sold it interestingly they sold it really leaning into like the almost office space of it all yeah which is and a very minor part of what it ends up being exactly. totally and even the review i got a sundance i believe kind of soft pedal how weird it gets like they, they kind of only hint at the third act but i think that's where you're just like what <laughs> and they either have you or they've lost you um, next up, we have number 46, Attack the Block, or number 29, Mad Max, Fury Road. Oh, man. Both great movies. Um, I might have watched Attack the Block more because it's a movie I like to introduce to people a lot. Nice. Um, but Fury Road is, like, one of the greatest action movies ever made. It's phenomenal. It's a masterpiece. So, Fury Road. What if we added Mars Attacks? Probably the same result. Yeah, same result. Mars Attacks doesn't yeah. really move the needle at all. No. Doesn't that feel like a movie that should be really great, though? I, Randomly. I, I like I Mars Attacks, it. don't get me wrong, but it's like, you know, I wouldn't put it up there with Attack the Block or Fury Road. No, no. no. 
but also apparently um the so the it's based on cards yes yeah like a basically like a like a trading card thing yeah yeah like and they did um was it um dinosaurs attack and there was it was a run but apparently it was much more violent and like dirty and i just kind of imagine like that's not tim burton but like if somebody made the like not quite sausage party but like almost there like I guess now we do R-rated. So, like, The Boys or Peacemaker, like, version of Mars Attacks. I think that would be really cool. I'd watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like it needs to be to lean into, like, the grindhouse-ness of it all. Because it's not meant to be. Like, even then, like, remember, it wasn't, like, kind of meant to be good. It was, like, Tim Burton doing a B-movie. Yeah. I, I, think, it, I think it's successful in, in a lot of ways. It probably is better to watch now, even right, because it was, you know, people laughed at it at the time. Maybe now you just get fresh eyes. I think eyes. you know, back that was what around the time of Independence Day or shortly after. So same, shortly maybe, after, yeah. yeah. I think maybe even same year or the next summer. I think it was the next year. Yeah. So I think because I remember seeing it as a kid and not getting that it was supposed to be kind of satire and kind of campy and just thinking, oh, it's another alien invasion movie. Maybe this one's less scary. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a little older than you, but like. Maybe when I saw it, I didn't. I, I wasn't quite tuned into like the camp of it all. I was like, I think this is a bad movie. I don't think it's a bad movie, though. I, I've I've heard people who, who hate no, no, it. No, I don't. Like, I, I don't necessarily I, think it is anyway. Yeah, it's. it's I I actually enjoyed it quite what? a bit. I own it. Um, we should. Uh, I lo- we should revisit. I love it the score for a future episode. Yeah, let's do that. Like once once the season's over, we can do uh, like every like once a month. We'll do like a film. Cl- Here, I just came up with something. We're doing a film club. Once a month, we'll we'll make one of the episodes about a thing we all watched at the same time. What we should do. That's we should have new. the readers. Uh, oh, that's give good. us some options, like three options to choose from. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I like because, that. You know what we'll do here? They're seeing us just develop things on the air. We've totally uh, derailed from the face-off. We're not talking about <laughs> Mars. Hey, you know what? It's, it's Ryan, inspiring. It's a Ryan catalyst for it. big, bigger, and better things. There you go. Exactly. I think what we'll do is we'll come up with the end with the options. Okay, so we'll pick. Okay, here's what we'll do. Each one of us will nominate a film. And then I will put it in the poll. And we'll let the readers decide. And whatever wins is what we'll watch. Mm, I like it. I'm into it. So we'll... we'll um, so the Oscars are, what, two weeks away now? So we got probably two more episodes. Another three, because we probably want to do the... Uh, you know, like, after the Oscars. So three episodes from now, we'll tell you what the options are. And we'll give you a... An extra week, like we'll, the next episode, we'll decide or something like that. We'll work out the details, but I think that's how we're going to do it. And I guess Mars Attacks will be one of the options. Nice. That was cool. Sounds good. Um. So, Steve, yeah, Attack the Blocker, Mad Max. Yeah, I'm going Fury Road <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, Attack of the Block is is another film that I I thought it was okay. I I'm surprised how much uh, love it gets, but. I am with you on that. Fury Road, I, 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 I was, totally can, you know, it's hard not to watch a frame of that film and not understand the uh, the praise, at least in the uh, yeah. uh, the design aspect of it. Well, yeah, Attack the Block, I did, I, so this is funny because these are both movies I feel like I didn't get in a way. And not that I didn't get them, but like, I sat in the audience, I think it was a press screening, watching Attack the Block and just not feeling it in the same way everyone else was and kind of the same with Mad Max. Like, I think it's good, really well made, but... 
it didn't feel maybe revolutionary the way it does for a lot of people. Um, but it's definitely the better movie. So if you ask me which of which one I would sooner watch, Mars Attacks. <laughs> there we go. Um, last thing on Mars Attacks, and we'll move on. I think Sean Baker would make a really good version of it if they gave him money. I think he make it like to lean into the version I was a talking very about. Different you know? version, yeah. Yeah, because I think that's what you need. I think you need someone to like take it in a wild direction because it's already a wild premise. I think they should Just make that point. movie every like ten or twenty years. And with the di- with <laughs> Just make a new Mars movie Attacks. With the latest, yeah. yeah, with the latest like filmmaker who, you know, let's go Sean Baker. Mars Attacks again. Yeah. No, yeah. tell you what, do it like anthology. So every decade you've got like Jupiter Attacks and Venus Attacks. Ju- no, no, just no, do no, a no, whole. No. Miles, Jupiter Ascends. Oh, we already saw that. Oh, it was man. bad. It was bad. Um, number 26, Rushmore. 25, Bottle Rocket. Um, I still haven't seen Bottle Rocket. I think it's the only, that Darjeeling Limited are the only Wes Anderson films I haven't seen at this point. You've been been saving one that's kind of mixed and one that most people don't like. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I prioritize the good ones first. Um, but I like Rushmore a fair bit. It's not one of my favorites of his, but it's solid. I think Jason Schwartzman and Olivia Olivia Williams and, uh, Bill Murray are all terrific in it. So I'm happy to go Rushmore. All right, Steve. Yeah, Rushmore as well. Uh, Bottle Rocket wasn't a favorite for sure. Rushmore, uh, it's been a while. I can't say it's aged well. You know, not saying it's a bad film, but not saying. It, but I, when I did see it, I, I enjoyed it. But it's been mm-hmm. quite a while. I um, yeah, I think I, I I don't like either of these either because I'm not a big Wes Anderson fan. But Rushmore is better. Rushmore is more like it's overrated to me. But um, with Bottle Rocket, you know, with like, um, what's Nolan's movie following, right? This is his first movie. And PTA's is um, with Sydney or Hard Eight. Like, you can kind of see where they're going. You know, you can see the filmmaker they're going to be a couple movies from now. I didn't see any of that with, like, Bottle Rocket. It just felt very dry and bland to me. I was obviously in the minority because he had a career. I don't know. Miles, you haven't seen it, so but you yeah yeah I can't really comment. But I I know what you're talking about because there's like the followings or I think like Chronos for Guillermo del Toro. Like a lot of filmmakers have that first film where like you get it, and yeah, I mean I can't speak to Bottle Rocket. Thing is, I think talking about I think yeah I think he builds definitely builds um, a following in his like. Well, from Ten and Mom's yeah, on, yeah, yeah, it's like well, okay, I know the movie he. Makes. I think Rushmore. I think Rushmore is the one that made you say, "Hey, I'll, I'll see what he's going to do next." And then, yeah, Ten and Mom's on. It's like, I wonder if I want to revisit it one day. I think Rushmore might be. It's the <clears throat> Wes Anderson of it all that's preventing me from loving it. And if it was someone else, I think I would love it. But also, I feel like in my memory, it's not as Wes Andersony as he would get in later years. Am I uh, misremembering? It's it's pretty Wes Anderson-y, but not as Wes Anderson-y as, like, Steve Zissou on. Okay, yeah, because oddly, I like the Royal Tenenbaums, and that's probably where he crossed over, right? Yeah, I would say both Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums are, like, they're firmly Wes Anderson-y, but they still feel closer to, like, normal movies than what he would—it it wasn't quite at the point where it's, like, it's his auteurial stamp over every frame of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's— yeah, you're just not you're not watching human beings. You're watching 
his version of a chess set, basically, that he's playing. Um, yeah, because I, cause I, maybe Tenenbaum just has, because they're weirder as a family, and Rushmore seems like it could be done a little more straight. I don't know. We don't need to figure out why I don't like Wes Anderson. Uh, let's see. The next one. Ooh, this is a... Oh, this is going to be the hardest one. For me, at least. Number 24, Dr. Strangelove. Or number 8, Magnolia. Oh, man. Both great films. T- probably two, two conf- of my favorites. You never compare them. But you never no. compare them. Yeah. It's very apples and oranges. Um, yeah, I love them both so much, but Magnolia is the one that I'll go back to time and time again, whereas Dr. Strangelove is like, you know, it's like a fine wine. You'll have it like once every few years and be like, all right, I'm good. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. When was the first time you saw it? Dr. Strangelove? Yeah. Uh, probably in high school. Same. It was like an oddly not cool because it was black and white and everyone else in class didn't want to watch it but when you start watching you're like oh this is this is something i'm enjoying more than like i'm being shown a classic film and hopefully i can get through it which doesn't mean you're right but like when you're 16 you know i don't know that like lawrence of arabia is always going to hit with you but no it's it's, little, it's yeah. clever it's a clever little film totally i had i got lucky uh, one of my teachers who i'm friends with to this day showed that but like we were doing a literature of New York class, so like he showed Taxi Driver. Like you get you can get into Taxi Driver as a 17, 18 year old. You don't have to, uh, you know, lose the thread because it's it's too arty or anything like that. I don't know. Steve, when did you see Doctor Strangelove? Uh, I think it was college. Hmm. College is probably a good place to see some of these. Actually, I was at. We'll talk about it in a minute, but I was at the Academy Museum, and they have some really cool props. And I think of Strangelove because of Kubrick. They have one of the little um, space station looking things from 2001. And the card on the bottom says he destroyed most of the sets so they couldn't make like a franchise out of it. Or like do another movie and all that. So basically all the props he personally got rid of when the shooting was over. All the miniatures. So it's one of the few that exist apparently. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And there's some very pretty cool, like Spike Lee donated stuff. He donated a Jurassic Park poster signed by Steven Spielberg to him. So it's like, dear, dear Spike, roar, love Steven. <laughs> and it's the like OG, just black poster with the with the um, was it or a yellow and yellow red, red yeah. logo? Yeah, very cool. All right, Steve, Doctor Strange, love or Magnolia? I'm going Magnolia as well. Strange Love is great, but Magnolia is. You know, just one film that it's probably top 10 for sure, maybe top five, maybe top four. I think we all have, it's a sweep and we all have the exact same response. <laughs> Love one of these movies. The other is top movies of all time for mm-hmm. us. Exactly. Almost like this was designed for us. Um, and finally, number two versus number one, Lady Bird or Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um... I like Lady Bird. I never quite got the love for it that everybody else did. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is lovely. It's, again, a film that I don't need to see that many times, but I thought it was very sort of exquisitely done. Mm -hmm. Steve? Lady Bird, I enjoyed. As for performances, I I preferred Ronan in Brooklyn. Fair. 
As long as you didn't say Mary Queen of Scots. No. Well, she's okay. I, I like her a lot, but I, I, Brooklyn was I, I really appreciated her work there. Um, mm-hmm. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I think, is a masterpiece. I really think it's from, I think it's incredibly shot. I think the acting is uh, is tremendous, and the way it unfolds, uh, it's such, there's something about it. I don't know. It's like a raw romance and love and passion and not in a way that ever titillates yeah right? but it doesn't force it's yeah exactly it doesn't force itself on you it's, and make you say oh this is a wrong it, it just is it's like this is what so what you're love saying, is it's so what you're saying it's the opposite of ammonite yeah <laughs> this a very dry, cold, bland movie that then has a sort of out of place graphic sex. Really, scene. just yeah, it, yeah. It never feels that way. It's like you could share it with a lot of people, even though there is, you know, there is some nudity and and so on and so forth. It's but it's so, yeah, yeah, like you're not showing it to your daughters though. today. No, but, but I would I would love that for them to see it in a few years. It's just so totally. rare and it's amazing. And and the way it's shot though, and the colors and the costumes and so much about it is, uh, it's one of those films that I. I was a little bit late, uh, not too late, but you know, in the season, and then it didn't get the yeah, nominations. Yeah. I was like, "What the hell's going on here?" Uh, everyone was talking about it, and I caught up, and I was like, "Well, I'll, I might like it," and I loved it, and I loved it even more the second time. So, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. I am still going later for it, though. Um, I, I, Lady Bird. It's funny. I I always think of it as the movie that. I don't like enough because it was like number 12 out of my top 10 that year. So people are like, you didn't like Lady Bird. Um, just like I, Moonlight was number 11. So, of course, I hated the movie. Um, but I, I I feel like Lady Bird speaks to you very interestingly as you get older. Like, I don't know. I've seen it more times than Portrait of a Lady. So that's part of it. But I like how when you first watch it, especially if you're younger. I mean, I wasn't. But if you are... Um, it's very like, okay, I'm like that, or this is what I'm going through. And as you age out of that period, it becomes, okay, was this what I was like? And you start to identify even more with Laurie Metcalf. Like it's, I don't know. I think, I, I think it's really well done. It's close, but I'm, I'm going to go with that movie. Real quick. Um, speaking of Steve, you're talking about movies that, uh, being late to catch up with, after months and months of hearing all the hype from festivals and you guys and the award circuit and everything else, I finally saw the worst person in the world yesterday. Ooh! And? Wait, did you did you social did you put this on social? Or is this an exclusive? This is an exclusive. You guys are the first people hearing about this. I'll put down my phone. I don't have to tweet from the account that you saw it. <laughs> Do that after. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. What do you think? It's all right. Oh <laughs> no, it's good. It's it's uh, it's very good. It's I probably engaged with it in fits and bursts rather than all the way through. But the performances are very good. The writing is very good. It's I, it's very well put together. But I mean, it's no I, it's no drive my car for me. But it is it is fair. very solid. I do wonder if the hype isn't fair to it. I feel like if I had seen it without any kind of expectations, I probably would have been more favorable because I think I was kind of going in, bracing myself for some kind of masterpiece. And it's very good, but it's not that, at least think, not for me. I think it's just, it's it's sort of what you hope a romantic comedy can be. And we just, that was the level that you always got. Not that this was so not, you know, novel in its approach. Um, but I do think... 
Yeah, it's it's outside the box for sure, and it's yeah. definitely something interesting. And it, um, Robert had know. a good point about it. I'm curious if you would agree. So I think he said it would be like an all time romantic comedy for him if it wasn't for. This is very mild spoilers, but the um, basically the one of the guys becoming like a like getting canceled type thing that temporary subplot and like his cringy interview which, afterwards about which it. kind of doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, I think it's just supposed to like get him back on her radar. Yeah, and but. and you know it. Uh, yeah, it is this weird deviation. But I mean, it, it's set up that way. Like it's very episodic. Yeah. I mean, it tells you up front. It's twelve chapters plus a prologue it and just, epilogue. I and feel it's, like it just makes you worry that this is what the director thinks, as opposed to like let's make him a jerk, just so you remember that there. You know, everyone in this movie is complicated. Yeah, there's um, never there's never a point where anyone sort of looks back on it. It was like, well, maybe you kind of overdid it there or maybe yeah like there's no challenge beyond like the very prototypical sort of you know talking heads yeah then i think um i don't remember if there was a third but he also mentioned um she has like a drug-induced dream at one point oh that's one of my favorite parts of the movie i like that part too but i can understand maybe thinking like the movie except for the like freezing time at one point is pretty grounded so like the a drug fueled haze is maybe not on par, but I, don't know, I thought that was an interesting way to have her work out issues without you know making it a a repetitive scene of like I have to have a heart to heart with this person now because that's also just not what people do. I think for me it too is just it had a lot of interesting ideas, but because it was so scattered in its presentation, I feel like some of the really like in the prologue and then uh, for the bit. Um, with the the third the not the third but you know the other guy who yeah. she eventually ends up with the whole thing with him and his ex girlfriend and how she sort of becomes radicalized based on this like chance encounter with a moose and like now she's all worried about their carbon footprint and all this kind of stuff and I feel like it's like getting into some really interesting territory about how you know the overstimulation of social media affects our ability to live, but then yeah. it just kind of drifts away and doesn't fully engage with that. And I found that more yeah. interesting than maybe some of the stuff it did spend more time with. That's fair. I think a lot of that is, um, yeah, like it's not a movie about that, but it's like a passing fancy. Yeah, exactly. Has. And and that's the thing. It was a, it's a film full of passing fancies and some of them are more interesting than others. I almost feel like it works better. In a film festival, which is usually counterintuitive, a movie almost never plays better there. Um, but because it's so dreamy without being like a dream type movie, it, it has a, such a different vibe than whatever you're watching. So even if you're sandwiched between great movies, you know, watching The Power of the Dog, this and Belfast back to back to back, for example, whichever one you end up liking more, it doesn't matter, but they're all so tonally and structurally different that it stands out more, I think. By being I, I could see atypical. that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Steve saw it at regular screening. No, or did you no, see I did not. Home? I saw it at home. Yeah, even better. So you okay? So three different ways, right? Or did you? You went to a theater, Miles. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Okay, so I saw it at a festival. You saw it at theater. Steve saw it at home. So three different ways, and two different responses. But that's fair. Because Steve, you like it a lot. Yeah, I like it right? a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was on your top ten. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. I, I actually, it's one of those films that I'm looking forward to watch again. You know, it's like, nice. not, not all of, you know, I, I don't revisit, but that's one. I actually want to revisit it because I think it's something that's unique that 
um, you know, my wife who has not yeah. seen it will enjoy because it's not, you know, your standard totally. and it's not over the top. Like, uh, uh, I'm blanking again. Just so that people know it is, uh, it is about one o'clock in the morning as we're recording <laughs> yeah. at least on the East coast. So if I sound more tired than hey, usual, was, there's a reason. This was Steve's idea. It's not as intellectual yeah. as, uh, some films out there. It doesn't need to be, it, but it does have a lot of, okay. You know, it does bring up a lot of uh, great approaches to the storytelling, and and I, I agree with what Miles said. Though there are some spots that you go, yeah, it didn't go anywhere. Oh yeah, it's not, and, it's not perfect. No, it's not. But I love it. I love it even for being that. But thing is, yeah, let's thing. I, 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 it's actually I was thinking about that today. Is so many people want everything to be perfect, and I'm like, it, films don't need to be. Maybe you forgot that. It's just like a book or anything else. You don't have to fill in every single question and every single. It's what the what the writer or what the filmmaker puts out there is sometimes what they want you to see. And the rest, enjoy filling in the blanks or not knowing. And if you can't not know, tough shit. And I think uh, yeah. that's that's a mistake that we're making lately. It's like, wait, well, I want to know this or this wasn't resolved. Tough shit. Really, just enjoy what's out there. That's, that's why they chose to do it that way. That's fair. Um, Before we do yeah, the... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say it's no, might sound saying, like an excuse, but I no, no. But I, I, I truly feel that. No, I think I think yeah. you're absolutely right, especially in like <clears throat> international or independent film. Like, oftentimes, what's not there is as important as what is there, yes. and and yeah. it's a different way of sort of analyzing it beyond just sort of a basic plot level that I think Which uh, is, is becoming a lost art. That can actually leads me to a, a quick thing. I believe by the time we're listening to this, the embargo will have lifted. Deep water. Um, things that are that are left unsaid in that movie. It's the uh, third act of a plot. Um, I'm mixed on it. Listen, I, I I think much of it is a good movie, and I kind of don't hate the way it ends. But I suspect film Twitter is going to have a, a moment with this because it does just stop real abruptly when it feels like there's a solid forty minutes left in the movie. Which, if you look at the different runtimes, there definitely is. But it's it's a lesser Adrian line, which I think is going to be a little disappointing for people who were hoping that like he was going to come back with some erotic thriller masterpiece. And this is way more psychological than erotic. Solid performances, though. But yeah, we're talking about things that are, you know, you don't need a spoon-fed view. Sometimes you can go too far and just not have a whole movie. So next week, you guys hopefully will have seen it on Hulu, oddly, and we'll uh, probably talk about it. Could be. Yeah, I don't think you're super interested, but you might get around to it. I, I might. I still yeah, have to see there. Fresh. Oh, you definitely have to see Fresh. I, I got so I got good. a couple things to catch up on. Well, I'm still I'm still decompressing from like having to binge like 20 different movies That's towards fair. the end of last year and beginning of this year, and now it's just like, oh yeah, Kimmy came out a while ago. How, yeah, how, yeah. how did that yeah, end like, up? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. Um, yeah. No, I. I yeah, at the same time, I watched Power of the Dog for a third time a couple of days ago. They had an event Netflix did while I was out here. They had a live orchestra accompaniment to it, like a cinema pit. And that was a pretty cool way to watch it, hearing Johnny Greenwood score live while the movie played. But at the same time, I'm, I'm good on, on the movie. Like, I don't need to see it a fourth time. Did you get anything else from it this time around, or is it... Um, you feel like you- yeah, not, like not 
I don't know about a new like theme or anything like that, but I completely realized that when you see a movie, even if you were active and engaged, you know, both times, there's going to be a moment when you're watching, like, I don't remember that. And there was a whole section of the movie that I just had faded from my mind because I think I think so much more about the end and what it means, you know, and how we got there. Then I, I completely forgot this time about Jesse Blamons and Kirsten Dunst stopping and like having that picnic and dancing. Oh, oh that's my favorite part of the say, movie. That's same here. That's, yeah. That's one of my And I think ones. also it's just funny because one of the few pure scenes in the movie is what just sort of vanished from my brain in favor of the like psychological warfare that Benedict Cumberbatch is doing. Well, that's what's great about that's revisiting great. things, especially films yeah. like that that are more complex, is that you – you know, you can't take it all in. And you, you, you think about someone like, you know, Jane Campion, who's worked on it for, you know, months, years. and Years, definitely and, years. Yeah, and the time put into, and the thought behind every the shot, the performances, the, the you know, the writing, and especially with her, which hands-on, uh, included with mm-hmm. the writing and the direction and everything about it. And then, you know, and then the post-production. You know, there's, there's got to be a hell of a lot especially from someone who is an artist like her and not just some uh, yeah. chop shop guy, but someone who's putting together mm-hmm. and, and really thinking about every single frame. Uh, there's There's got to be a hell of a lot that there is to explore and to uh, to be able to study and discuss and, and enjoy. So I'm looking forward. I've only seen sure. it once um, in its entirety and then mm-hmm. uh, pieces since then, but I'm looking forward to, to going back in and, and yeah. making an evening of it. Oh, yeah. And and it's funny that not only is this a real good example of a movie where every moment of it is, is so thought through, it's one of the movies that I know took advantage, took advantage is the wrong word, but in the pandemic was able to spend a longer time in the edit. That and honestly, Dune was the other one when, in talking to those editors that obviously it's not a plus or anything, but being sort of left with part of a film just in your lap for however many months they were doing quarantine before they could go back, you can really spend a lot of time on a scene that you would, you know, just move on from at a certain point. And I think it's interesting that those movies are lauded for their editing and pacing, despite being long movies. And I wonder if it helps. Like, yeah, obviously you can't have two years post everywhere, but they certainly made that time work. Just a random sort of editing related thought. Cause I, did that at interview with the power of the dog. Yet. Well, you wonder last too, week, is, you know, this time it worked. You wonder how much, because I've worked on things, editing you know, between yeah. podcasts or interviews or, or, unfortunately you were not nominated for an Oscar. This no, year. no. Uh, but, but not narr- this year, narrative not this year. pieces of work. And there's times, um, that you wonder, like, maybe I should step away because maybe I hit it. Right. And now I'm going back in and, and, you know, and splicing up something that needs that that was good as is. So it worked out there, but I wonder how many times people are like, "Hey, let's do one more edit and kill the film." Yeah. It must have happened. I think it doesn't work. I think it doesn't work if you're on a time crunch and you're you're t- you're robbing Peter to pay Paul because you're just going to get rushed at the end. You're going to miss something or be sloppy, as opposed to I'm bored. You know, like I'm literally sitting at home. I think, and Joe Walker, I think was talking about this. Like, I'm just, I'm at home. I, I, there's nothing else to do right now. Let me go look at that scene again. And maybe I can tighten it or I can change the focus a little more because I know that next scene is going to do X or Y. 
and that kind of like obsessive compulsiveness that you can have without really worrying about hurting the movie is is a rarity you know time is money so it's rare that you just are left with time batman maybe also had that right because they paused in the middle um yeah well i think i think they had that more during the production side of things than the edit I well, mean, no, maybe um, whatever I, the twenty-five percent or whatever it was that they shot before they had to go yeah. into lockdown might have been. I know Power of the that. Dog. Power of the Dog wasn't finished. They had like a six-month break or something like that. I've heard them talk about it. I don't know. If Dune might have finished, right? Um, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, it, it would have been pretty close because it was like it was still set for October, so it was only a few months away from release before it got pushed back eventually. I wonder if in March or, you know, March, April, whatever, if they were done shooting. Because it seems like they would be hard to get that cast back. So maybe they might have been done. I think shooting-wise, they were definitely done. Yeah, but yeah. as far oh, as yes. the edit, they were, in... they, they were probably... Um... Yeah, I think the, that's, you know, you have everything being delayed. And basically, the movie steps back a year. It's pretty easy to go, well, we've got some extra time on our hands, guys. What are we going to do with it? Um, and the work speaks for itself, which... Kind of leads us to where we're going to talk about today, which is the uh, precursors. This weekend was a huge, almost Oscar-deciding weekend. I think we're mostly, um, you know, pretty pretty like set in what's going to happen in most categories. But there's still a little bit that we can wander about. Um, just a lot less than a couple weeks ago. So I want to look at the precursors. And sort of talk about what's left to do. Because the, the main one still to come is PGA. And that's uh, this coming weekend. But last weekend we had Jane Campion win the DGA. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal won the first timer. That just locks up her award we already knew was happening. Yeah. But that would have been, that would have been I think, the biggest shock of the night. If something weird happened with that category. And then we had, um, on Sunday, it was the combination of BAFTA and Critics' Choice. Um, Saturday, I think we had the Annies also, and Mitchell's versus the Machines did really well because it's not a Pixar movie. So that was cool. Um, and then I, I we'll talk about it in a second. It won Critics' Choice. I, I kind of wonder if maybe it's a closer race than we're thinking there, but that's one of those things we can talk about towards final, final predictions time, that that might be a category again. Yeah, I think for for a lot of this, I've kind of been thinking Encanto is kind of a done deal. But Mitchell's is, I mean, you know, full credit to them. They are playing to win and they are, you know, putting themselves out there very consistently. And I think it might it might pay off in the last, you know, in the final act here. Yeah, if anything, maybe they underplayed a little earlier in the season and they were maybe playing catch up, but they're striking lightning at a really good time. We'll see. Um but yeah, so Critics' Choice and BAFTA were the two that announced. Um, we'll do BAFTA first just because they're bigger. Um, though I was at Critics' Choice, and we can talk about that if you want. But here's the BAFTA results. Let me go a little lower because we don't care about... Well, not we don't care. We don't want to start with the big one. Uh, Dune wins visual effects. No shock there. And sound. Makeup and hair go to Tammy Faye. I think, I think we're starting to see that be a... A tag team with another category we'll talk about in a minute. Production design went to Dune, which I believe was Critics' Choice also. I wonder if Dune is maybe going to be the production design winner, not Nightmare Alley. I'm I'm feeling like it could, because it's going to be 
like regardless of what gets some of the bigger categories, I think it it'll be a pretty easy thing for Dune to have the most wins of the night just through the various tech categories. And I could easily see production design be something that kind of gets swept up in that momentum. Yeah, yeah. There's one quirk to that that I'm going to talk about. I don't know at the end of this or maybe closer to when we do the end of the year prediction, the end, the final predictions, but a lot of categories for Dune are up against power of the dog. And if it's winning picture and director, I feel like it's going to take either cinema, uh, cinematography or score. I don't think Zimmer and Frazier will win both. That's fair. Because I just, it would be weird if Dune wins, let's say, six or seven Oscars and Power of the Dog goes home with two, three, if, you know, and, and they're all above the line. Like, I feel like it needs a below the line just to remind everyone, like, yep, everyone liked this. Wasn't that yes. what happened with uh, Nomadland? Yeah, because Nomad, Nomad, uh, Nomadland lost cinematography to Mank. Right, but it still it ended the night with three, but it was like the big three. So yeah, it was like Chloe Zhao. <laughs> Chloe Zhao got two, and uh, Francis McDormand got one. So conceivably, yeah, Power of the Dog could do three. picture, picture director, and um, uh, screenplay. Yep, though as we'll talk about in a minute, maybe not screenplay, but well, we'll yeah. see. Yeah, so editing was no time to die. Helped that it was you know British film. Um, and also helped that um, Tick, Tick, Boom and uh, King Richard were not nominated. So maybe that also. That's actually not a great sign for Dune that it couldn't win without its main competition. And no power of the dog in that category either here. So I don't know that Dune's taking anything, though. Costume design was Cruella. That one seems pretty done and dusted. Steve's happy yeah. about that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I am too. I think I think that's the big, the one that deserves it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to see um, hair. No as well. complaints. At least pull some awards. Cyrano, Cyrano's not a bad no. one either. No, those are actually um, two. Yeah, cinematography went to Dune for Greg Fraser, which is interesting because that Critics' Choice, as we'll talk about in a minute, Ari Wagner won for Power of the Dog. That is going to be just go with whoever ASC picks, I guess. It's going to be close. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, casting with the West Side Story. And it doesn't have a, a, a comparable category. Score went to Dune, Hans Zimmer. So they basically swept below the line. Except for editing. And costume. And yeah. So right now it's, okay, so it's Zimmer and, and, and hair Greenwood. <laughs> We're yeah. those two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think anyone else is coming close is even close, but it's gonna it, be a I don't know. I wonder if, and this may not be a factor, but even though Greenwood's score for Spencer didn't get nominated, the fact that it was out there that year, I wonder if that might sort of give him an extra nudge. You know, sometimes an actor. It it might for me. Like, I obviously preferred the Spencer score, but also um, worth keeping in mind is that event that I went to, you know, Jane Campion introduced and basically just talked about Johnny Greenwood and this letter that he sent because she said she never like met him in person because of COVID. They, they worked uh, a lot on like zoom and and emails and stuff. And just reading these like letters about what he was thinking about doing. It is wild. You forget how much of these, these big scores, especially if it's someone like a Johnny Greenwood or Trent Reznor is a guy sitting at a computer, like crafting an orchestra. And it's, it's kind of wild. But yeah, Hans Zimmer still won for first for doing an original score. Um, the other big shock, I think, in ad- was adapted screenplay going to Coda. Yeah, at BAFTA. 
and not and if Jane Campion didn't win it, not going to Maggie Gyllenhaal. So, I I, I don't know exactly where the stat is, but I believe BAFTA screenplay categories are pretty good in terms of their Oscar lineup. I think the and I don't remember how many years it's been, but the last time adapted. BAFTA didn't turn into adapted Oscar. It was the year of Moonlight because Moonlight was original at BAFTA. Mm, interesting. So it's a pretty reliable stat, which is interesting. Um, and then to double to double down that original screenplay went to Paul Thomas Anderson, not Kenneth Branagh. Well, that's that's kind of the way I I see it going. I think Belfast has lost whatever steam it had. Maybe it is going to be odd for Belfast to go home empty-handed though. Yeah, but it I think if like something kind of like it gets that like one consolation Oscar. Yeah, but I think if something like The Irishman, which seemed which went in with so many possibilities and came out empty-handed, like it does mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, and and I'm sure, you know, giving PTA an Oscar feels maybe better in a way. Not to say anyone's more deserving or whatever, but well, I, th- I think. The early narrative was that this is Kenneth Branagh's year, like this is when yeah. he's finally going to do it. But I think if he, Belfast had the momentum that Power of the Dog currently has, you could make that argument. But now it's kind of like screenplay or bust. Yes, it does seem that way. Um, animated film was Encanto here. They had four nominees and didn't in, and couldn't find a fifth one, apparently. Uh, documentary was Summer of Soul. Uh, film not English language, Drive My Car. That same debut by a British uh, writer, director, producer was The Heart of They Fall. It was a good pick. A little surprising that it beat um, Passing. The Rising Star Award went to Lashana Lynch. Jane Campion won director. Troy Kotzer won supporting actor. Ariana DeBose won supporting actress. Will Smith won lead actor. Those all seem pretty locked for Oscar. Anyone disagree? I don't disagree. I love that Troy Kotzer seems like such a sure thing now because he's easily my favorite performance out of those five. Yeah, no, he's phenomenal. I like Mike Feist, Fast. Mike Feist? Feist. Yeah, him getting in a bath was cool for you guys. Yeah. Um, And then the wildest thing was, remember, none of the women nominated for Oscar are are nominated at BAFTA. A couple weeks ago was, oh, only Gaga will be there. She'll probably win. She doesn't win. Lana Haim doesn't tra- doesn't translate with uh, the PTA award. Amelia Jones doesn't win for Coda. Um, Ranat from the worst person in the world doesn't win. When that seemed like that was actually what I thought was going to happen. And even Tessa Thompson for Passing doesn't win. Joanna Scanlon for After Love, a movie on no one's radar, is what wins Best Actress. Yeah, I, I, I still <laughs> I don't know what that movie is still. No, I've, yeah. I haven't heard about it. I know nothing about it, and nothing about that a, translates to anything. So I can tell you it's cool. a British film, one that lost Outstanding British Film to Belfast, which I think was almost um, focuses fear that, like, it'll just get Best British Film. The, like, pat on the head that you give the movie you're not giving the big prize to. Yeah. Because it did lose to The Power of the Dog. Natch. Yeah. So... That the the main takeaways I think were the screenplays from BAFTA, and then Critics' Choice chimed in. It was weird because again, like I'm in the room because of BAFTA, like a lot of teams split their their casts. It was very strange to be like, if something won more than one prize, you're like, I wonder where the person is. It was unusual. Um, 
quickly, I'll give you the um, TV wins. I know you guys like the TV. Bo Burnham won for Best Comedy Special. Uh, last Week Tonight won for Best Talk Show. Animated Series What If won. That was, that was a surprise, yeah. That's yeah, a head scratch. Like, what what yeah. else was nominated? Do you know? Um, Bob's I think Burgers. Bob's Burgers. Um, I know my vote, I guess I can say it now, was for Big Mouth. Uh, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure what else. I don't know that I've talked to anyone who was like genuinely hyped on What If. Like I think yeah. the which common is consensus they, is it was one of the weaker Marvel things that come out last year. Yeah, which is funny because they gave three nominations. I think it was three to WandaVision and it lost all categories. Yeah. Um, foreign language series was Squid Game. Supporting actress in a limited was Jennifer Coolidge, The White Lotus. Supporting actor was Murray Bartlett, The White Lotus. Actress in Limited was Kate Winslet, Mayor of Easttown. Actor was Michael Keaton. Dope sick. And he gave another really good speech, by the way. Oslo won Best TV Movie. Limited Series was Mayor of Easttown. Supporting actress in a comedy was Hannah Waddingham, Ted Lasso. She was very funny. Supporting actor was um, was Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso. He gave a pretty good speech also. He was like, it's one in the morning. We want to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um... (laughs) Because they were doing like the live simulcast. Sounds familiar. Actress in a comedy, Jean Smart Hacks. She gave a good speech. Actor in a comedy series, Sudeikis. He wasn't any either place. Comedy series, Ted Lasso. Supporting actress in a drama, Sarah Snook. Supporting actor in a drama, Kieran Culkin. Both succession. This was what maybe the biggest applause of the night, oddly. Um, not oddly, just kind of cool that like clearly someone people like. Actress in a drama, Melanie Linsky. Yellow oh, yeah. Um, cause I think everyone has had a good interview with her and she's just incredibly warm that it was just a real happy moment. And also her and, um, her husband, Jason Ritter, were having, um, snacks, candy with us at, um, me and my girlfriend at the, um, after party. It was kind of cool that they were just shoes off having, um, like Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> uh, Lee Jung Jae won for Squid Game for actor and drama series was Succession. So. I don't know that there were any real surprises there. You know, I'm limited in what I I know. But um, I was glad Ted Lasso won because I, I do love Ted Lasso. I don't think they were really. Um, the, the, maybe the, maybe Murray, uh, Murray Bartlett. I wouldn't even say a huge surprise, but for limited series supporting actor. And uh, and Melanie Linsky, not a, I wouldn't say a huge surprise again, but a, a nice, a very happy win. What if is like probably the biggest surprise, but... Then again, it's not like it's been a big year for animated. You know, most of those shows have been around for a couple of years. So yeah, it's it's. Does your opinion of Bob's Burgers or yeah. any show that's five, six, seven, ten seasons in change much, or are you just kind of? So so I actually I actually just had a thought on that, and it wasn't nominated. But have either of you guys seen Arcane? No. I've seen some of it. Is it's, it about the villain from Swampland? No, it's it's based oh. on League of Legends, but you don't need to know anything about League of Legends to watch it. It's mm-hmm. legit the best show I saw last year, like animated nice. or otherwise. Like, it's kind of stunning how good it is. It's kind of done in the Spider-Verse animation style, but more like watercolor paintings meets concept art kind of thing. It's, okay. I don't know, like it's really well put together. It's one that I feel like should be on more people's radar. Yeah, it, it's right. hitting, it's, a lot of people are talking about it, but it's it's... A lot of people are talking about I it. think it's one of those fil- uh, shows or series that uh, yeah. some people see it, and the second they see it, they go, nah, not for me. You know, and that's a problem. It's like... Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that, though. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm talking pr- 
pre-watching it, like just the visual style. Oh, well, that's that's, that's what happens yeah, with yeah. some animated stuff. I think is it's no, nah, that's not my style. And they they group it in like as if like you know three hundred shows are all the same or series or and, which uh, which is wild because I genuinely think there's nothing else like it. Yeah. Like it's it's technically a video game adaptation, but it's like it's like if the only adaptations that existed were like the godfather and everything else was on the level of like i don't know fucking the godfather battle, battlefield you know what i think it is i think people feel like well that's going to be a little bit of work you you start a big mouth episode and you're in in 10 seconds you're you're, you're already pulled in because it's very easy to consume you know and and arcane is takes a little effort and takes some focus mm-hmm. and and there is so much on the screen to appreciate that you actually you, you can't just like oh, I'm gonna go make dinner and watch Big Mouth and laugh while I'm making dinner. You you have to actually make it appointment television. Like I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think that speaks to you know animation not necessarily being given the credit of oh, like yeah. live action television would well, I, you know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I totally agree. Yeah, people wouldn't have that about like Succession or whatever else they're watching. Yeah. But like because it's a cartoon, you put that that kind of cartoon restriction on it which i feel does it a well, disservice because it's animated you put a cartoon restriction on it well that's yeah. what i'm saying no, i know yeah. that's a cartoon i'm just as a, as a former animator um, yes but yeah I, I i recommend what i've seen i, I do have to to uh, find the time to finish it but um visually alone it's it's uh, intense it's it's very uh sounds cool got a unique style and worth watching just to watch but yeah from what i've seen it i'm i'm really impressed yeah all right well sorry didn't mean to derail but yeah no no watch arcane there you go now let's uh do the the film categories best score hans zimmer dune so maybe maybe hans zimmer's in the lead i don't know i feel like that's that's close race could happen could happen uh, it's between the two for sure Best song, No Time to Die, No Time to Die. That is uh, maybe the surest thing of the Oscar night now. Yeah, I feel like that that's happening. Yeah, yeah that's just happening. Uh, foreign language film was Drive My Car, also a sure thing. Mm-hmm. Animated feature, Mitchells versus the Machines. Again, I think we might have a race. I'd like to see that. We might just have a race here. Um, best comedy was Licorice Pizza. It really felt like well, we just needed to make sure it didn't get shut out, and that was the easiest spot. Though it was a weird category, um, mostly prestige as opposed to like Bob, Barb and Star, which was also in there. Uh, visual effects went to Dune, huge sure thing. Hair and makeup, Tammy Faye. I, I really think that's maybe what's happening there. I can see it. Uh, Cruella, costume design. It was an interesting one. Best editing was West Side Story. Not nominated at Oscar. Uh, that category is, is maybe a pick also. Yeah. Not sure about that one. Production design was Dune, which is making me think I think it might win production design. Ari Wegner won cinematography, Power of the Dog. That's a real two-horse race there. Adapted screenplay was Jane Campion. So I, I don't know that Coda is necessarily going to pull the upset, but it's it's possible. Um, original I, I think, I think it's was, closer to being the number two that everyone assumed Lost Daughter would be. Yeah, no, I, I, I've said Coda. I've had Coda two for a long time, but I think I don't know. Well, well, everyone has moved it up to two. I don't know that I've made a move also to put it up to one. But we'll see. Uh, Branagh won for Belfast and original. 
Campion won director. Belfast won ensemble, which was kind of a nice win for it. And it also won young actor for Jude Hill. He beat Amelia Jones and Woody Norman and Sianna Sidney and someone else I'm forgetting. Cooper uh, Hoffman. And then, oh, yeah, Cooper Hoffman. So, yeah, that was, that was actually a, a pretty solid yeah, campaign. It was a solid campaign. That was a, that that was a good win pretty for Pretty stacked, Jude yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I think he might have been my third choice. It already happened. I can say I didn't vote for him, even though I like him quite a bit. Um, Ariana DeBose won supporting actress. That was very likely to happen. Troy Kautzer won supporting actor. Um, Will Smith won actor. Power of the Dog won picture. And I want to kind of wrap with best actress because we got a question that I will read to you quickly. Um, from someone who said, we basically got an exit survey in the form of our question being asked to us. They, uh, said, I've decided after this year, I won't get so invested in who wins or loses at the Oscars. I think who wins has a lot to do with who is liked or not liked in Hollywood. Anyway, if you had to bet money on who wins the best actress race, who would you pick? Um, for what it's worth, she does have a picture in her profile picture is of Kristen Stewart. So I think I can understand where she's, uh, maybe upset about, but yeah. Um, the critics choice award went to Jessica Chastain and I'm pretty sure Jessica Chastain is winning the Oscar now. I, I, I still can't believe that. I mean, I, 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 I believe I it's going to happen. I'm just like surprised. Yeah. Make the case for anyone else. No, I, I, I'm right there with you, Steve. I think if you'd asked me like a month ago or even whenever nominations came out, like it, it, she would have been my five. Yeah, like man. like I, she's the one who like, you know, she's been present the whole season. It was always a sure thing that she'd be nominated. But it was just hard to believe that there was that much passion for the performance. And then, you know, there, with, you know, you got Coleman, you got Kidman, you got Stewart, like performances that people are really passionate about but like it seems like it might end up being a situation where like all three of them kind of split the vote and it just goes to chastain because she's due and it's a weird one to give it to her for but i think joey you were kind of hinting that um they could kind of tag team it with that and makeup and i Meryl streep and the iron lady yeah i i'm i'm kind of seeing it like my personal pick is still Stewart, and my Same. second pick would be probably Coleman. But like in terms of who I think will win it, yeah, I think Chastain's the front runner now, and I genuinely don't understand how we got here, but we're here. Yeah, and exactly. somehow I think Penelope Cruz is number two because she just hasn't had the opportunity to lose. Um, like last night was so we're recording this on Monday, so the the my show was the show was on Sunday. That was Stewart's last stand to take advantage of like the critics passion behind her, which is partly what got her nominated and, and win there. That would have muddied the waters, I think, but critics choice does tend to try to be predictive. And the fact that they voted for also, I think makes means that they think she's winning. I mean, it's not as shocked to know. I probably that I voted for Stewart, but still, um, what's interesting is the jokes on me because I think I had Anna de Armas as my year in advance winner for blonde. But as soon as that was clearly not coming out, months I had Jessica Chastain sight on scene as number one an actress and then I moved it after uh, Toronto so if only I had stayed with it I would have been somehow right but I guess at what cost but yeah is I think it's I think the only two who make sense now are, are Chastain for wins and Cruz just because she doesn't have any losses like Nicole Kidman is going in with a golden globe 
that's not much. Um, Kristen Stewart doesn't really have anything besides a load of critics prizes. And what does Lily Coleman have? She has a Gotham and a, yeah, I think that's all she has is a Gotham of yeah. note. So here's a question for those you are winning formulas. about Stewart. Yeah. So for me, hands down, Stewart's the winner. If I was yes, voting personally, where did it go wrong? Is it the people don't like the performances as much or is it what, you know, people don't love the movie is the thing. Um, so I had that, a, that's I had the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. I had a colleague tell me that um, the Hamptons Film Festival screen didn't go super well. And I think as much as we thought like, oh, this is the Royals, they'll be into it because it's still the Pablo Lorraine version. I think maybe it bothers people more that it's not the, you know, the, the crown yeah. or whatever they like. Um, they wanted a documentary they, essentially. Or a documentary yeah, because they didn't see yeah, – because they didn't see Jackie probably. And also, you know, Jackie was about – a different kind of person that I feel like you, you haven't seen that many movies about Jackie Kennedy. Um, so yeah, it didn't feel like ground that could have been covered or has been covered or something. I don't know. I think they're both brilliant films, but yeah, I think not having the, the wave of other things really did hurt. Cause I think, you know, the, when I had the film getting nominated for picture director, actress, costume cinematography and score which i think was the height of what i had it doing you know lower in all the categories besides the actress but that would be a slam dunk win because she's in a film that's you know widely appreciated no one has real below the line love in this category stewart's her only nomination cruz has a score um coleman only has above the line in just a screenplay which is more as much maggie gyllenhaal as her um, Kidman has her fellow actors, but nothing really about the film. And Chastain has the only odd like tech that might matter in that she has makeup, which is such a weird stat. It's bizarre. But, well, and here's the thing. If you boil it down to Chastain or Cruz, you can simply point to Cruz has won before. Chastain has been nominated a bunch of times and, you know. It'll happen. It was yeah. bound to happen for her eventually. I just don't think we really thought until just a few weeks ago that it would be for this. Well, the irony is what we're definitely speaking into existence is we should look up what she has next because she's going to do a way better performance and be up for it again. Oh, of course. And she's going to lose votes because she's already won. Because she won for fucking Tammy Faye. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I'm looking Let's it up see. now. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. Let's see. Um, yeah, cause yeah, she's going to do zero dark 30 again next year, basically just to, uh, she does have something too. Um, well, she probably won't get nominated for the division based on the video game with Jake Gyllenhaal, but you know what? The good nurse. I was just looking at the good nurse. Maybe. I don't know she anything where, about where she's it. Basically but... good. Oh, um, oh, fucking it's... Eddie Redmayne's in it. Ugh. He's a he's um he's a serial killer. He's oh, a doctor who's great. a serial killer, and she's I believe the nurse who eventually like takes him down. So the film is about the pursuit and capture of American serial killer Charles Cullen, who murdered as many as three hundred patients over his sixteen year career as a nurse. Y'all remember that movie where Julia Roberts was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde's housekeeper or whatever? Um, that was called, um, 
I want to say Emma Roberts, and I know it's not, yeah. but it's it's like one of those. It's right? it's like the character's name, yeah. Anyway, that's what that makes me think of. That's funny. Well, this one has an interesting pedigree in that it's an Aronofsky produced movie, um, written by uh, Christy Wilson Carnes, which, I mean that, nineteen seventeen. That's not nothing. And um, she has something else she just did, right? And she just signed on to something to co-write something. Not that it'll be out oh, she, by she next co-wrote, year. She co-wrote um, Last Night in Soho. That's what it was. I'm sorry. Oh, it's directed oh, yeah, by yeah, Tobias. Yeah. It's directed by Tobias Lindholm, who did the original, The Hunt and Another Round. Um, is involved in that, like a war, a hijacking. Yeah, because Thomas Vinterberg directed some of them, but he um, he directed, um, co-wrote Another Round, co-wrote The Commune. He did a war. Um, and, um, a hijacking. Those like, kind of like would be genre movies that are also real arty. That's what he did. And those were, those were actually decent. This could be a thing. Uh, a serial killer movie being an Oscar thing doesn't jump out at me, but you never know. By the way, the Julia Roberts movie was called Mary Riley. Oh yeah. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah. It um, sucked. Yeah, yep. it is, yeah, not, not the best, but yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen. She's going to win and then immediately do uh do work we want to do which um you know thankfully i guess amy amy adams doesn't have but somewhere she's like yeah yeah nothing better than me not having an oscar thanks for that amy adams Uh, is over here like i did dear evan hansen what do you want from me yeah i I bet you she's not voting for jessica chastain Mm. win an award for this over my dead body um but yeah i think that's where we're at which is kind of crazy uh pga is what's left and that'll basically just, I think, confirm the power of the dog. Like, Netflix is going to take Best Picture. Yeah, yeah we'll I think so. It. I think Coda we'll could still come up from behind, but it's... But it's not going to have PGA, though. No, definitely not. So, it's just, I don't know. Hey, It'll be never, interesting to see what happens. You never know how close the PGA vote was, or yeah, the DGA vote was, so... Well, yeah. Time will tell. Um, But let's close up shop because everyone's tired. And next week we'll be talking in the shadow of PGA. So we'll have an answer. And then we'll be full steam ahead towards our Oscar show. And I think we're going to try to do a maybe a little bonus episode like right after the Oscars. A quick like recap of our delirium before we do a full on episode a couple days later. What we did last year, right? Yep. Oh, Christ. We can try. I don't remember (laughs) I'll be I'll be yeah. like flying in for my brother's wedding like earlier that day, so I'll be a mess. But we can. Oh, that'll be great. Hopefully, you'll be drinking too. Well, not that day because I'll be on the plane for most of it. I mean, you're not flying; you're able to do it. I suppose. There you go. Anyway, we'll make it work. But yes, so um, say where you can be followed. And give me a director and or take for your Mars attacks. Okay. Just um, yeah, of course. Um, well, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Uh, you can check out my writing on Awards Radar, and now you can check it out on Looper. Uh, I've got an article coming up that's ranking every Pierce Brosnan from from worst to best, so look forward to that. And also check spoiler. out my short films. What's Where does spoiler? the Matador go? Uh, it's in the top ten. All right, very good. 
Um, but yes, thank you. <laughs> Uh, check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They're both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. My Mars Attacks. Uh, get Sam Raimi to do it. I think that would be fun. Oh, I think nice. he would get that sort of old school vibe. Earlier today, apparently he uh, made the case he wants to direct a Batman movie. Yeah, wait till the Matt. After someone just did one well, yeah. Yeah, well, let get wait till the Matt Reeves trilogy is done. Then give him, give him a punt. Why not? Yeah, we'll see. Steve, you're up. You can find me at uh, Filmstork on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can also listen to The Verse, where you can, you can find it on Awards Radar. Um, mm-hmm. It's a trip through all the cinematic universes and beyond. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I guess I would go with, uh, I don't know, Bong Joon-ho. How about that? Ooh, I want that. Yeah. Yeah, you can follow me at Joey Magidson. All the social medias, awards radar is on many of them. Um, I mentioned the uh, Sean Baker, Chris Bergrosh version. I would like I that. Because um, I feel like you either need to go real low or real high with it. And um, I guess another one I would add is if you want to just go real out there, I want to know, I want the Charlie Kaufman, Duke Johnson version. Ooh. Oh, do it the like anomaly. stop motion? Yeah, the Anomalisa version. I'd be curious about that. Um, but that's that's the episode. Quickly, I'll mention, um, if you're out in L.A., the Academy Museum is very cool. So I do – I did like my time there quite a bit. There's a there's a couple of really cool exhibits, and uh, it's fun to touch an Oscar and accept one. Um, but, yeah, I – we'll have our – I think our final predictions next week. That's a, that's a thing. Oh, man. Next week, the week after. Like, we're going to – yeah, as we just talked about, we're narrowing down the ones that really need our focus, so we'll get there. Until then, you know, stay safe, we'll see you at the movies, and, uh, you know, be good. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>